Good evening and welcome. My name is Gillian McIntyre and I coordinate the adult programs here at the AGO. Um, and I'm delighted tonight to introduce Michael Award to speak about this exhibition and it's lovely to have him speak right here with the art in front of us. Before we begin, I would like to say that tonight's talk is going to be podcast from the AGO website, which can be reached at www.ago.net. Last week we had Louis Jacobs' talk, and that was also on the website, so please do listen to that. Before we begin, I'd like to introduce Michael and talk a little bit about his very varied and rich and amazing background, which all feeds into his work. Prior to studying architecture, Michael Award studied theoretical physics and mathematics. He did an undergraduate degree in architecture at U of T, followed by a master's in architecture at the University of Syracuse. He then completed a master's in urban design at U of T. He taught for 10 years until 2002, and then left to focus on his other work. Um, just as Michael was about to present his urban design thesis, he learned that he was selected to present, represent Canada at the 2002 Venice Architectural Biennale. Quite an honor. In his architectural practice, his own house has set a precedent in the city and is now applied to other sites, some of the things that he designed in that house. This is his first solo exhibition, and I think it brings together his background in science, photography, and urbanism. We'll talk, he'll, he's going to talk for about half an hour to 40 minutes, and then we'd be delighted to have discussion and answer questions. Michael. Thank you all for coming. Uh, can everyone hear me? Is this mic working? Okay, thank you all for coming. Thank you, Jillian, for the wonderful introduction. Uh, I want to start by thanking the AGO for this opportunity to uh, present this project here in Toronto first, and uh, particularly David Mose for um, having the vision to curate uh, a show and also to commission a number of pieces in the show about the AGO. Uh, it was important for me to show this body of work in Toronto first because until now all of my work uh, has been about Toronto. Uh, as Jillian mentioned, I have a design practice, I have an academic practice, and I have a photographic practice, and they all approach and study or analyze or in one way or another try to understand Toronto uh, from different directions. And my, uh, my work, my artistic work, is uh, largely uh, informed by my studies in architecture and urbanism. This project, the entire city project, uh, started uh, some almost 15 years ago while I was an undergrad uh, without really realizing what I had set into motion. It was, uh, it was a desire to capture the city in its entirety, to capture everything about the city. And there are three basic trajectories of which the entire city project looks at. And that's the physical city, uh, the people of the city, and daily life in the city. And by recording everything about those uh, things, I hope to create a, an image of the city. Um, and every piece in this show is somehow representative of one of those bodies of work. Uh, Eventually, I, I hope to have a complete visual inventory of the city. Uh, I hope to capture all of the people in the city, and I hope to have a 
uh, I, hope, I hope to document all daily life in the city. So it's an ambitious project that I'll be working on for a while. And uh, from this point on, most of my exhibitions, all of my work, will be under the entire city label. New work will come in, old work will come out. These photographs uh, represent, uh, represent time and physical travel. The techniques uh, used uh, are, uh, are based in scientific and military reconnaissance photography. These are techniques that I uh, learned about quite a while ago, studied. Uh, the equipment has to be built from scratch uh, to produce these images. And effectively, what I'm doing is I'm mapping out long stretches of time or long pieces of geography as, a, as you would, uh, as you would uh, let's say, if you're aerial, if you're mapping a city. But in this case, I'm taking the aerial photo at an altitude of five feet. So essentially, I'm flying around the city at five feet. And what these images do, they capture long periods of time. They capture these long periods of time as a still image and are then able to present back to the viewer uh, anywhere from two or three minutes of experience all the way up to an hour of experience. Uh, I'm going to start by actually describing, uh, discussing this, this one, the largest image, uh, entitled the Moore Gallery. This is the this is actually the room upstairs that houses the AGO's Moore Collection, the Moore Sculpture Center. And it, it's uh, photographed on one single piece of film, and it's printed, again, on one single piece of paper. And what it represents is, a, is quite simple. It's a, it's a stroll from one end of the Sculpture Center to the other. And it strolls the same way a viewer would stroll. You would move in and out. You would uh, weave your way amongst the Moors. You would stop for a moment contemplate one, you'd move to the other. So really, this is a walkthrough, uh, really undulate, uh, with an undulating path from one end to the other. Uh, even though these are um, presented in this panoramic format, they're not strictly panoramic photographs. They're not photographed from a single place for, with a rotating uh, vantage point. It is, in, a, in, a, in effect, it's a horizontal image. It's an image capturing the entire experience. Uh, and... Um, and really, for me, this was an incredible opportunity because the Moore Sculpture Center, for me, is one of the, more, the finest rooms in the city. So it was an opportunity for me to, uh, quite a rare opportunity to, to work in that space, to work with an empty space, to spend a lot of time there. And it was deliberately captured in its emptiness uh, to try to preserve the monumentality of the work, this, almost the scalelessness of the work. This central image behind me, entitled Escalator, is, uh, is a record of shopping traffic on Boxing Day in the Eaton Center. And this is capturing uh, a 10-minute period of time. Uh, and this image, even though it appears banded and, and segmented, this panel represents really one image. If we had a, if we had a gallery that was... 100 feet high, we could print this out as one vertical strip of imagery. And this image, as uh, these other four, can be read like a text, starting up in the upper left corner, reading down, and then starting uh, at the next band and reading down again. So in effect, uh, the people here in the corner, the upper corner, are the first ones I've captured. And then 10 minutes later, these people, you know, I've captured these people here. 
And this is essentially a portrait of a thousand people. And it represents in many ways the nature of the social nature of Toronto. In this image, there are young, there are old, there are people that are clearly carrying shopping bags for which shopping is perhaps a sport. There are other people who are just there because it's an event to be at the Eaton Centre on Boxing Day. There are tired people, there are excited people, there are kids with their parents, there are people on their cell phones, people chatting with their friends, people eating. Uh, and it's a, it really it's a study not just of the, the craziness which is Boxing Day, but it's a study of the, the multicultural, ethnic and really diversity of the people of the city. And uh, to date, uh, uh, no one has approached me who has found themselves in one of these images. Uh, I, I don't know what the legal issues are around that. Uh, a student was, uh, a student did say that they knew someone in the image, so that's the closest, you know, in terms of degrees of separation that I've, uh, that I've gotten to actually capturing or meeting somebody in one of the images. And I'd welcome all of you to perhaps not look at all of it, but just give it a quick perusal. And if you're in there, please let me know. The four images on the wall, uh, on this wall, uh, are also one image each. And they capture, they, they can be read, again, like a paragraph, starting in the upper corner, moving across, coming down, moving across. And each of them represents uh, roughly anywhere from 40 minutes to an hour of urban experience. This, this first one, commissioned by the AGO, is a walkthrough of the entire ground floor of the AGO just prior to the start of the renovation. So this is, in a way, it's a historic snapshot of the way the AGO was and will never be again after the, the Gary transformation. It, uh, all of the ground floor collection, including the uh, group of seven room, are, are captured. There's the antiquities room, the classics and renaissance, the last exhibition in this space was Christo. So if you missed the Christo exhibition, there's a small version of it right here. Uh, and again, it starts by coming through uh, what used to be uh, the doorway at Weston Hall, walking uh, an entire loop, and then, uh, then ending again at that door in Weston Hall. And what's interesting really about the space is that Walker Court has, shows up several times because it, it is central to the ground floor, and you can't circulate throughout the ground floor without always coming back in some way to Walker Court. So this is, a, a, for me, a very interesting spatial inventory of what was the AGO. This second image, which represents uh, almost an hour of time, is, uh, it captures the entire highway network uh, within the confines of Pearson International Airport. So in this case, uh, I drove, uh, I drove the, the highway network, uh, the camera was with me as a passenger in the car, and I carefully mapped out a route that touched all three terminals, the departures and arrivals levels of all three terminals, uh, the, new parking, uh, the new parking area, and you get a real sense of the confusion and you know, utter chaos that everyone has to negotiate on their way to their flight. Uh, heaven forbid that you're late and stressed. Well, you know, the, if, if, if you feel more anxious approaching the airport, this could be why. <laughs> this, this image here, entitled Supermarket, uh, captures uh, almost a one-hour experience of shopping in a supermarket. It's an experience that we do uh, 
almost on a daily basis. It's a, an everyday experience. And it starts by uh, arriving at the supermarket in the parking area. Just, just squeeze in here. Thank you. It, it arri one arrives in the parking area, one comes up the escalators, immediately into the produce section, followed, followed by deli, the uh, uh, dairy counter, frozen foods, cereals, pharmacy, greeting cards, housewares, all the way down to the bottom where you uh, wait in line patiently, uh, pay at the checkout, pass all the checkouts on the way out, and then end back in the parking lot. Uh, this, this um, in a way, takes uh, what is spatially a, quite a simple experience and lays it all out for you. And in a way, I'm hoping it drives home how complex this experience really is because we're really spatially aware only of what we're in front of. This goes... Uh, this, is, this, this also applies to the city. We're only really aware of what we're immediately in front of or adjacent to. By taking these experiences and laying them out in their entirety reminds us that how complicated it really is. This fourth image on the wall, entire, uh, entitled Queen Street North Side, is uh, it's a document of Queen Street captured from the Humber River in the West End all the way to the Don River in the East End. Again, starting here at the top, we're actually in Etobicoke, crossing over the Humber River, the Humber River Park, uh, into Swansea, through Hyde Park, into uh, Ronsonsvale, then Parkdale, Queen Street West, there's Dufferin, uh, there's the Gallery District, Ossington, uh, Shaw, then Bellwoods Park, uh, Queen Street West to Bathurst, Bathurst to Spadina, then uh, here's Old City Hall, there's University with the law courts, uh, the Eaton Center, Young Street, and Queen Street East beginning, St. Michael's Hospital, Moss Park, uh, Confederation Square, the, uh, there's the, the um, Humane Society at River Street, and then this is the bridge that goes over the Don Valley, and then Queen Street East continues. And um, this image in particular uh, really... It, it captures the complexity of the city because uh, we selected Queen Street to represent all of the streets that I photographed. Queen Street in particular it has been important to me because it cuts, not only does it cut across the, the city urbanistically, but it also cuts across the city socially. It has our seat of government. It has our biggest shopping uh, mecca. It has youth culture. It has gallery culture. Uh, it, there, it goes through residential communities. It has... In, uh, medical, two, two huge medical institutions. It has the biggest park in Canada, in High Park. So it, culturally, it's a true cross-section of the city. So each one of these four, or each, each one of these uh, images really represents a, a large body of work in behind it. Uh, this clearly represents all the streets that I photographed. The uh, shopping uh, supermarket represents all of the retail that I photographed along with the Home Depot, uh, Canadian Tire, etc. cetera. Uh, the Pearson International piece represents all those highway networks that I've been capturing, and uh, the Escalator piece captures, uh, really, the people. Now, there's one, one piece that I want to describe uh, in furtherance of this goal, or in furtherance of this conspiracy, to capture all the people in this city. Uh, just this past year, I, uh, I photographed the Santa Claus Parade, I actually uh, I walked the parade route just 
ahead of the parade. Just prior to the parade, I had my Santa hat on, I had my camera, and I walked uh, just a few minutes ahead of the parade where and everyone was out, uh, everyone was on the sides of the, the road, everyone was waiting with anticipation. So I captured the entire parade route from the parade's point of view. And effectively, uh, that makes a portrait of roughly 80,000 people. So I'm going to continue capturing more and more people of the city, and uh, eventually, uh, uh, eventually it'll amount to, I think, a large body of people work. Uh, it was important for me to present this work here in Toronto first, uh, as now I'm starting to expand this project and capture other cities uh, outside of Toronto. So this, really, this is both a product of uh, of my practice, and it's also uh, it also informs my practice at the same time. Do we have any questions? Uh, yes, Douglas. Use the microphone for the questions. Who was who who asking it? Uh, gentleman. Okay. Michael, it's a wonderful show, and you've uh, told us what you photographed, your agenda. Uh, and your uh, ambitions for the project. But I'm also interested to know something about the film, the camera, the way in which you hold and move the camera or move yourself as you take these pictures, and finally how you print them. Uh, it, it's, it's an amazing body of work and it has visual qualities even with poor vision and distance that uh, are varied from piece to piece but something more about uh, the, the how that went into this would be helpful. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm asked about this uh, often and I usually try to keep the discussion away from this because I find people the, the entire discussion could get mired in technical things, but I can give you a good overview. I, could definitely, uh, I can definitely speak to that. In uh, some of these, the, this, the largest piece was shot on film, on large film, uh, and it's a camera that's quite large and heavy, and the, the camera's a hybrid. It's a camera that I've had to build from other cameras, from new pieces, jury-rigging, always experimenting. Almost every time I go out shooting, something about the equipment changes, so it's constantly evolving. In this case, uh, it's quite a large camera that I've walked through the space uh, on a, a dolly. I, I can also carry the camera through the space also. A few years ago when I was in Venice, I spent a lot of time just carrying the camera through all of the winding streets of Venice. Uh, so the reason this piece can be the size it is is because it's still shot on film. And for the foreseeable future, if not in perpetuity, film will be the highest quality of image capture, regardless of how, uh, how sophisticated digital photography gets. Film will always have a better visual resolution. These three images have been captured uh, digitally using uh, computer and software and a digital camera, uh, software that I've developed, uh, software that I've worked with uh, uh, with some associates to develop. And all of this really mimics uh, the scientific high-speed photography and aerial photography that I spoke of earlier. It's a, it's a hybridized technique. It's somewhere between uh, still photography and cinematic photography. It is, uh, it is still photography because it takes only one frame, but it takes that frame over a long period of time. 
uh, like a cinema camera, the film is moving quite quickly through the camera. The next, the next iterations, uh, I'll be working with. Uh, I'll be working with larger cameras. I'm constantly building larger cameras, and the next, uh, the next iteration of the equipment will be camera equipment for which film has to be special ordered from the manufacturer. Uh, film that they produce by actually stopping their film production line and reconfiguring their equipment. So it's film that's going to be several thousand dollars per roll and several thousand dollars to develop. In fact, there's only one place in all of North America that develops this film. But this is all in furtherance of higher quality images, larger prints. Uh, the printing happens uh, by an industrial printer. I, uh, I don't use uh, labs that are geared more to art photography. I go to uh, a, a printer that can look at the job and say, that, you know, I mean, to, to, to come to someone to say, I need a 30-foot print, or for Venice, we printed uh, an image that was 120 feet long. Um, that, that print was paneled. This is the largest that I can print as one continuous image. But uh, you can imagine when you approach uh, somebody technically to do this, most places are quite excited about the project. Yes, we'd really like to try to do that that would be really fabulous for us to do. Well, those are really the last people that you want doing a project like this. You want someone to look at it and say, well, that's fine, come back on Tuesday and we'll schedule you in into the afternoon. And they go off doing their business. So I rely on people who print hundreds of, you know, thousands of square feet per year because they have the experience and the capacity not to look at this as an art project, but to, to run it as they would anything else. Hi, uh, you have images of art and, I guess, people shopping at the Eaton Center in uh, Loblaws. And I'm wondering, what would the possibility of you be, uh, would you consider photographing, I guess, the have-nots, like uh, people in poverty, uh, people on the streets, like uh, something to provoke people to have a comparison other to contrast what you have up now? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Uh, I have no reservations about photographing the have-nots or the, uh, the stressed parts of the city or the parts of the city at risk. Uh, in fact, I have photographed a number of those neighborhoods. They are just not on the wall. In terms of photographing people, um, my images rely on a certain density of experience. So uh, by no means am I biased according to the subject matter, I'm biased according to how many people are doing this one event at any one given time. I have a question, Michael, actually. Yes. You've done all this capturing and you're observing a city that I believe you feel very strongly about. What are your observations? Good. That's, that's interesting. Uh, well, first of all, with, with uh, Escalator, my observations right off is that people in the winter wear dark colors. It's, it's just it's the first most obvious uh, uh, observation. Uh, but these pieces are really about the ethnicity, the gender, the age, the age range. It's capturing Toronto as a multi-ethnic, multicultural place. The urban images uh, are perhaps the most telling for me because because I do study the city. The the general a lot of general conceptions of, the, of Toronto are that it is monochromatic. It's grey. It is uh, perhaps uh, a little bit boring, but when when entire when entire streets are captured at once, you you come to understand how varied the urban experience is, how colorful the ex the experience is, and how rich the physical environment actually is. 
uh, in a way, these images, uh, I, have, I, I take a position that is more about the city as a whole. Uh, in, my, in my photographic practice, my professional practice, I, I, uh, I'm an architectural photographer, and I have a very short list of clients that are very good designers, some of the top people in the city and in the country, and they... And when I work for them, I photograph their buildings. I photograph their buildings in the best possible way. But in my own work, I'm trying to say that it's not about the power of any one single project to change the city. The city is much bigger than any, uh, any single building. So in a way, it's, it's philosophic. On the other hand, it is, it is a way of revealing the richness of Toronto. Last week when I was here to hear Louise uh, Jacob, I had gone through this room and there was a lot more space to spread out. And I actually didn't know whether to be looking at it longitudinal in the length or in the width. And so I wanted to see what the contrast between the two vantage points would do. And I loved the two vantage points and I just wondered they give a very different impression. Mm -hmm. And I wondered what your feeling was about looking at it in the two dimensions. And of course, then I thought of a third, you know, what would be the third dimension? And at that point, I said, forget it. Look at it as it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the, the format very much depends on the type of experience. Uh, because we tend to experience cities horizontally, uh, these, tend to be, these are horizontal images. The, the escalator experience clearly is a vertical. No, I meant going through what you have there, mm -hmm. looking at it this way, but then I went through it because I'm oh, I short. See. Right, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, okay, it's only this much, you know, like I couldn't walk right. across, so I want you to look down, and then look down, and look down mm -hmm. vertically within that one picture, and mm -hmm. I thought, now I wondered whether you really intended it to be experienced well, in both directions. Well, not, I'm, I'm glad that you can, I, mean, I think everyone has to bring their own vantage point to the work. They're, they're presented as a narrative, primarily as a narrative, to be read horizontally, but I'm glad you can, you know, if you, if you take a vertical swath out of any of these and take that out of context, take it away from the story and its linear array, then it very much is uh, perhaps a, a more chaotic sampling of the experience. So you know, I'm glad you can bring that to the table, definitely. Well, I, I walked, you know, and mm -hmm. I went Left to right, mm -hmm. but I did it with vertical pathways. Mm -hmm. Well, the chaotic uh, approaching the work uh, non-linearly is also very interesting, uh, particularly with the city work. Uh, what what I've been told from people who who, who see the work uh, first first they approach the work to to try to understand it, but then what I've noticed uh, also there's one of these pieces is in uh, the Eglinton subway station, it's commissioned by the city and the AGO. Uh, and it represents Young Street from the waterfront all the way up to Finch. So it's a representation of the Young subway above ground. And it's in public space. And what I was noticing, I would, I would, just, I would be sitting in the cafe in this uh, few uh, feet away from the piece. And people were ended up using it in pairs. They would approach it and they would start finding themselves. They would be telling their friend a story or they, they actually use it as a visual map. You know, this is where I eat. This is where... I used to live on this corner, you know, I'm hoping to get a job in this building. Uh, so people are using it as this visual uh, record of the city, uh, which I think is also very interesting, which is something uh, unexpected. Could you say a little bit about how uh, time and speed are 
factor in the type of image and, and how we would read that. One of the things that strikes me is that the escalator image, which has such uh, a steady uh, movement, has the most static uh, form, and, and, and I don't know what I'm seeing in the deflections and uh, distortions elsewhere. The, the escalator image is particular in this group because it's the only image where the camera was standing still. Uh, so, in fact, you get, because the camera's not moving, it's a very steady, uh, almost a photographic quality to it. In the other images, because the camera is moving and my speed is obviously varying, whether I'm walking uh, through a supermarket or through the AGO or driving along the highway, uh, and even driving, the difference between highway speeds and city speeds. Uh, there's always going to be visual distortions in accordance with how fast or slow I'm moving at the time. Each one of these are a different uh, situation, uh, th th require a different, uh, a different setup of the equipment, a different way of processing it. Uh, so in a way, you can read, you can physically read how I was moving by looking at some of the elongations, distortions, or even the moments that things are captured absolutely accurately. Uh, so yes, you're right, there is a variation is a, the images capture the variations in, in the way I move. I just wondered what time of day you did the one in the corner. Uh, good question. These uh, both Queen Street and uh, the airport piece are photographed early on a Sunday, and uh, also the Young Street piece was also captured uh, on a Sunday, only because it gives me the most freedom on the road to put the camera where I need to put the camera to capture the image accordingly. Um, by, by no means am I, I, I don't want to give the impression that I'm driving and, you know, with one eye this way, another eye looking through the camera, or the camera somehow attached to me. Those were earlier experiments, which thankfully have ended uh, with the whole camera on the head thing. Uh, it's, a, it's a different situation because uh, we're all accustomed to framing an image, composing an image by looking at uh, looking through the camera or looking at the little screen in the camera. In this case, I'm having to frame the image uh, through my motion. So I'm framing the image in accordance with how far I am from the shopping, from the, from the grocery uh, uh, shelving, or how far I am from the sidewalk. So it's a different way of framing the image. These, it is, it's an early morning light uh, on a clear day, so there is this extremely stark blue sky. Uh, yes, definitely. We have one at the back here, Michael. Y yes. Hi. Um, you spoke quite a bit about the social and cultural nature of your work mm -hmm. and um, talked about the fact that the work is a narrative or a textual document. And so I'm wondering whether you consider yourself whether you would consider yourself a contemporary flaneur or a, a neo-flaneur, a city stroller. And, and if that's the case, um, how is your work then rewriting the city of Toronto? Hmm. Um, I, I guess by definition, I'd be a flaneur. I'm, I'm not... Uh, uh, it's, it's not my intention uh, to fall within that category. But I do, by, by virtue that I explore the city both by foot, by bicycle, by car. Um, and about, I mean, the, I, I wouldn't think my work rewrites 
it, I think it contributes to our understanding of the city in specific ways, particularly the streetscapes. Uh, I have, I, I captured Queen Street uh, a number of years ago, I think in 2003, and then I've recaptured the same image in 2005. And what's interesting is that if you look at it as just raw data, uh, aside from its artistic uh, intentions, uh, you're able to uh, compare block by block the street and understand where development has happened. And in particular, the difference between 2003 and 2005, uh, for me, around the Ossington to Dufferin uh, cultural district, the art gallery district, uh, that has uh, been largely ignited by projects like the Drake and the Gladstone and uh, MOCA at one end and all the galleries infiltrating on, you know, in 2002 and 2003, there were donut shops, there were uh, appliance stores, there were secondhand uh, vintage clothing shops, and now you look at the 205 and you find galleries and restaurants and more galleries and more restaurants. So in a, in a way, the documentation over time allows for this uh, this other almost bureaucratic uh, administrative understanding of the city. Uh, up, up here? Yes. Wait, here we come. Yeah. Uh, I'm just wondering if what you have to say about um, photography and public space, given that uh, um, supermarkets, airports, and art galleries are all places and uh, shopping centers are all places mm -hmm. where the average person um, would have varying degrees of hassle for various reasons, pulling out a camera. And yes. here you are, you know, dealing with modified military surveillance equipment. Um, just what, it, um, what are your thoughts about that kind of thing? Okay, maybe before I ask, answer the question, is, is there anyone here from Cadillac Fairview or the, uh, <laughs> or the Loblaws Corporation, right? I mean... I, a, big, a big part of uh, I mean, everything I do is about capturing public space. I, I spend a lot of time in public space. Uh, it's true that, that particularly a, a number of these uh, images are captured in publicly accessible yet controlled space. The gallery, the Eaton Center, and, and Loblaws, sorry, not Loblaws, Shopping Center, uh, are clearly controlled spaces. Uh, in the Eaton Center in Loblaws, I had to shoot this with a slightly concealed camera. Uh, I imagine one could go through the proper channels. Uh, I find that tends to slow down, slow, slow my work down. Uh, uh, and I haven't really crossed that legal bridge. I think when, I, when I'm confronted with that issue, uh, I'll cross it. But until now, uh, I mean, when I'm out in public, the equipment's quite large. Uh, I don't have to conceal it, it's just with me. In fact, it, I mean, I, I try to conceal as much as I can because it's quite an odd contraption. It makes whirling noises, there's wires, and it makes spinny noises, and there's a big battery pack, so it looks, actually looks suspicious. Um, <laughs> uh, I tend not to cross borders with this equipment. I tend to, I, I, I ship the equipment to where I'm going so that I don't have to cross the border with it. Uh, th when I conceal the cameras, I use a smaller, a much smaller camera that fits into a briefcase. But I, I'm always acutely aware of, of this possible conflict. Yes. Um, I, I mentioned this morning uh, to a friend that I'd be coming to hear you speak this evening, and she, 
just to give her a bit of context, I mentioned the Queen Street piece, and I mentioned that it was the north side, and she asked me, well, why the north side, why not the south? And I didn't have a good answer for that. Um, and then I, hearing you speak about the social context of some of your pieces, I was thinking about that. Um, as someone who walks Queen Street quite often, there is a different feel looking on the north and yes. south side as you head across. So I was wondering if you could um, talk about why you picked the north side. Well, I, uh, I have photographed both the north and south side of the streets. Uh, the north sides, um, to be blunt, north sides of the streets here are just more photogenic because that's where the light is. Uh, but I have captured that south side. Uh, and I, I've actually, in some of my consulting work, uh, where I'm, uh, one project when I was brought in to review an urban proposal that happened to be on the south side of the street, I used those images with the client to actually discuss this entire block and how their proposal is going to change things and how the one block, uh, particularly the Queen Street Mental Health Center, how it was so unique in the, uh, in the context of larger Queen Street. And unless you can show the larger context of Queen Street and, and the one block in particular, it's, it's rather abstract to say this block is unique in particular. But, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's true. I mean, I, do, I, I often do, do both sides of the street. I can only present one at a time, unfortunately. Yeah, um, I'm curious about um, which cities, other cities you're um, interested in photographing, and if you're, if you'd like to compare those spaces to those of Toronto, mm -hmm. or just capture them for the uniqueness of those specific cities. Uh, well, ultimately, everything that I present, whether it's here in in Toronto or abroad, uh, is always including Toronto. When um, when I was showing. Uh, my work in Chicago at the Cultural Center, it was called the Five Cities Project, but the two principal cities were Toronto and Chicago, and there was a dialogue between them. Uh, when uh, at the Goethe Institute, uh, urban, trans, uh, urban cityscapes was, a, was really a comparison between Toronto and New York. So um, I, I don't quite want to talk about the cities that I'm going to, or at least I hope to photograph, because that hasn't happened yet, but so far I have captured uh, parts of New York parts of San Paulo, which were quite interesting, uh, Venice. I mean, cities where I've been producing projects, I've had limited time to do them. But at this point, there's going to be a, quite a focused effort to go out to some pretty major cities. And you could probably imagine, you know, the cities that one would want to capture, the, 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 both the cities of cultural and spatial complexity. But yes, it will always be in context of comparing to Toronto. Toronto will show up in all of my work. Um, I'm just wondering, um, considering your background, whether um, you look at this as more of an experiment and from maybe from a technical or academic or architectural background, or do you look at this, like we're in an art gallery right now, but um, I'm just wondering how you look at this. Do you look at it as artwork or do you look at it with other sort of basis from your background? Well, there, there are a couple of levels there. I mean, it's, it's constantly a technical experiment to push, push the image-making techniques to acquire more image, to acquire higher quality image. But it's true, we're in an art gallery, and this work has been very deliberately presented uh, as, as art. And uh, really, in, in a way, my art practice is based on this work being art. If, uh, if it can be used in other parts of my practice or by other people, uh, whether it be in the academic 
or uh, bureaucratic uh, uh, context, I'm happy to do so. So I see the work having applications to different people in different contexts. But for me, primarily, it's, it's an investigation into the city as, as primarily uh, art. But it's, you know, it's really riffing on my fascination with Toronto, uh, constant exploring in the city. You talked earlier about how you'd done Queen Street a few years ago and just recently, and obviously the entire city as a whole is constantly changing and renewing itself. Mm -hmm. um, how much of a priority for you is it to keep these things current and up to date? Do you plan on going back to things like the AGO after the renovations are finished and do, I don't know, a companion piece or... So, something growing out of the old AGO piece you did? Uh, yes, it, it is an important yeah. part of uh, not just the work, but also the practice. Uh, to, to understand the city as it changes, uh, also to understand spaces, there are specific buildings as they change, is fairly important. But I don't think I'll capture all of the cities two or three times, uh, all of the streets several times. The major streets I will do periodically, and major projects like the AGO. Uh, I will do when it's complete. I will do a complete uh, a complete revision, uh, revisiting of the AGO. Uh, but it's it's just going to come down to the amount of time I have to do this. I mean, I'm hoping to get to all the major cities, uh, sorry, all the major streets at least once to uh, to really make this project uh, you know, have some weight and authority. Um. I guess I'd just like to ask again about dimensions. I think it was sort of what I was getting at when I was asking about time, but also these are very flat images, and uh, as you've been asked about uh, one side versus another or uh, reading uh, other than a, a sequence, uh, why you've chosen this, uh, this pictorial uh, presentation, which can sort of bring things uh, as a, a kind of, have a, I guess, a, a sort of a solidity or a, a, a coagulation of, of this experience. Right. Uh, that's interesting, because the, the, one, of, one, of the, one of my current projects is uh, in direct reaction to that flatness. Uh, I'm working with a sculptor to try to explore three-dimensional issues in this work. Uh, I've also, I'm quite close to f finishing my first iteration of a stereoscopic uh, version of this technology to make three-dimensional images now. Uh, hopefully at that point, it'll actually produce another layer of information, namely that of depth, to capture not just the city experiences, but also the, the personal experiences also. So uh, I'm, I'm quite aware of the flatness. Uh, you know, with, my, with my background in photography, though, I'm quite comfortable with it. And uh, the, you know, the work will remain flat, will remain largely flat, but I'm hoping to enrich it with a little bit of a third dimension shortly. So I want to thank you so much. This is very relevant, I think, this exhibition to Transformation AGO and what we're doing. And in fact, Michael is also going to appear in a panel discussion we have on March 30th called Architecture as Spectacle, sort of looking at 
all these spectacular buildings are going up, and what is the human experience of those buildings? What's it, what's it actually like to, to use them, and what effect do they have on the neighborhoods they're part of? What effect do they have on the city? So I think this is very pertinent work, and thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you.